we've got an amazing resource here. It's the largest open space or green space in downtown Chattanooga. It has incredible history and the opportunities for outdoor recreation are huge and you know being the best outdoor city um, in the country like here we have this unparalleled almost you know 950 acres of green space right downtown with very few opportunities. So the National Park right now is finishing the 20-year master plan for this park unit that allows us to go in and start to develop these resources and open them up to the public and allow the public to get out to the bend and learn about these amazing things in our history. Welcome back to the Camp House podcast. Did you know that right here in our city, there's a national park? In fact, if you're listening to this podcast as you're driving down the road, you know, if you're in an office building or if you're walking along the river walk, you know, I bet you could see it right now. And that is Moxham Bend. You know, most of us, when we think of Moxham Bend, the only image we have is of an institution that lies right at its tip. But Moxham Bend has one of the richest histories in all of the southern United States. And finally, that history is being recognized the way it should, and it's been added to the National Park Registry. And so here to talk with me today about Moxham Bend is Michael Wurzel, the executive director of Friends of Moxham Bend. And he's going to talk through the history of this area and the potential future for this national park. This is the Camp House Podcast, and I am your host, Matt Busby. Well, Michael, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on today, Matt. Yeah, so uh, Michael is the head of Friends of Moxham Bend, and uh, I think a lot of people have seen Moccasin Bend. You know, it's just across the river from Chattanooga, but they don't know much about uh, what Moccasin Bend is or the history of that area. But it, it's it's not only significant for Chattanooga, it's actually significant for the entire, you know, s- southern United States. And we're going to talk a lot about that today. But, you know, before we get there, Michael, why don't you tell us a little, about, a little bit about yourself and how you got into this position as the executive director of Friends of Moccasin Bend? Well, uh, I was born and raised in Tennessee, and I got a degree um, from environmental science at UTC and worked at some of the amazing land trusts around Chattanooga, uh, Land Trust for Tennessee and Lula Lake Land Trust. So I got an interest in land conservation. And then when Marcus and Ben was hiring a new executive director and I applied, it's probably the most fascinating story in land conservation that we have here in Chattanooga. Yeah, yeah, or, or lack thereof, as we'll see. Sure. <laughs> All right, so Moxon Bend, everybody can think about this giant oxbow that sits just below Lookout Mountain right across the river um, that honestly takes up a, an enormous part of our, of our city. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty significant chunk of land. But the history of this area is, is really quite fascinating. Um, so, you know, Michael, as we're talking about Moxon Bend and, you know, the point of this entire episode is to talk about the future of Moxon Bend, but that future is only significant because of its history. So why don't you just maybe talk us through the history of this area? Sure. So, I mean, the reason Moccasin Bend was protected finally in the first place after over nearly a century of advocacy was the historical significance. So you've got almost 12,000 years of continuous human inhabitation going back to paleo-Indian campgrounds on the Moccasin Bend golf course, uh, nomadic hunters and gatherers who came to this kind of keyhole between the south and the north. And then from there, you have um, some of the first uh, dwelling sites found in the whole United States. Um, 
You have the most significant archaeological remains at the Hampton Place, which was a dual fortified town on the heel of Moccasin Bend. And then you have some amazing Civil War resources there. So really, what you have is the most compact, diverse, and significant um, assemblage of archaeological resources in the whole 650-mile extent of the Tennessee River Valley, right there on Moccasin Bend, adjacent to downtown Chattanooga. Yeah, so if we think of the entire history of, of the Tennessee River Valley, you know, the, the most significant, you know, potentially important part of that entire river system uh, was this very fertile peninsula right here in our city. That's correct. Yeah, you know, as we're talking about the history of this too, there's there's a really uh, great article out there that I'd like to point our listeners to over at rootsrated.com about Moccasin Bend. Uh, it's titled The Curious Case of Moccasin Bend. And I'll, I'll, I'll put a link for this article down in our show notes so you can just click to it from there. But they really put this history into a little bit more perspective, uh, which is really interesting. So, like, uh, it starts out, you know, when the when the Egyptians were building pyramids, you know, archaic Indians were hunting white-tailed deer right here on Moxon Bend. Um, and so it kind of walks you through human history and compares this area at the same time, which is really fascinating. Yeah, it's great. Sometimes when you think about it in the bigger context of world history, it really puts it all into perspective of how significant this place is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think everybody is probably pretty familiar with the fact that, you know, this was a, a very important place for our Native American populations in the past. And, and you know, we've, we've got a very checkered history as a city when it comes to that relationship. But I don't think, uh, you know, I, when I, so when I moved here in 2010, obviously the Cherokee uh, Indian influence, you know, that you, you have the, the aquarium. There's a lot to, that pays heritage to that there. But I don't think I ever knew or even thought about um, the history of this area going be, you know, back before the Cherokees. Sure. So you hear a lot about the Cherokees and the Trail of Tears because it's an important chapter in our history to revisit and learn from. But at the same time, that was just a small fraction of the Native American story that Moccasin Bend tells. And it's a very important one. And actually, one of the best resources on the bend that you can visit today is something called the Browns Ferry Federal Road Trace, which is an original Trail of Tears route that actually goes across Moccasin Bend. The, the Trail of Tears happened in the in the early 1800s, and then we had the Civil War. And, you know, we're going to get into this. You know, the, the Moxon Bend is now registered as a as a national park, but it's not necessarily a national park in the ter- way we think of the Smoky Mountains or, or Glacier or anything like that. Um, explain the relationship of Moxon Bend and its Civil War history to the National Park Service. Sure. So um, the National Park Service is part of the U.S. Department of the Interior, and they manage the national park system. So 413 different parks across the nation. And you have the iconic parks you think of as Yosemite and Yellowstone National Park. And what we have here in Chattanooga is actually... Um, Chickamauga and Chattanooga National Military Park. In this park, you're talking 9,000 acres, uh, two states, three counties. You've got the Chickamauga Battlefield. You've got Lookout Mountain. You've got Point Park. You've got Signal Point. And then in 2003, you had an addition to this park, and that addition was the Moccasin Men National Archaeological District. So what all this means is there's all sorts of different designations for these parks, but really when it comes down to it, they're all national parks. That's the way we like to think about it. Okay, so this area has always been very historically important to Indians, and then it played a, it played a significant role in the, in the Civil War and the Union being able to, um, to take Chattanooga and, and eventually stage uh, the Battle of Atlanta. When the Union Army was able to secure Chattanooga, they were basically able to then 
you know, invade the deep south, which is really, once they took Chattanooga, they were able to drive, a, you know, a dagger into the heart of the Confederacy and really break its morale and ability to fight. So they kind of say, they call the Battle of Chattanooga the death knell of the Confederacy, because by the time they took Chattanooga, it was kind of just like a slow, uh, bloody march to the end of the war itself. Yeah, so Moxon Ben's role in that was essentially this became uh, the Union's uh, center of operations to take Chattanooga uh, because they, they used the tip of, of Moxon Ben, where now the, the mental institution is, correct? Well, actually, it, part of it would have been the mental institution, but mostly up on Stringer's Ridge. Okay. Um, they had uh, their largest artillery batteries there. So. Um, Pretty much what you have on the end of Moccasin Bend is the Stringers Ridge, um, you know, province or the hills of the ridge. It goes all the way from the tip of Moccasin Bend up to the park in North Chattanooga that most of us know. And there you have um, the best preserved earthworks in the whole, um, you know, national battlefield and military park system. So you've got these amazing earthworks. And the the Union soldiers would have had their guns pointed up at Lookout Mountain, and the Confederates would have had the high ground and had their guns pointed down at Moccasin Bend. So there would have been, for almost a month, this exchange of artillery fire as both forces were trying to kind of harry the other ones and make their lives difficult. Yeah, and it was really the, the, the cover fire from Moccasin Bend that allowed the Union Army to storm up the, uh, the northwestern side of, of Lookout Mountain correct yes yes and and there's an interesting story about that you when if you go on a ranger guided tour you can go up to these civil war earthworks and not only are these earthworks but the soldiers cut out these little flat benches all throughout the hillsides where they would just basically bivy and at the time they called this starvation point because chattanooga was under siege these soldiers were out there starving and uh in a journal, there's this story of this shell being fired. You know, you'd hear a big boom, and then all of a sudden, it just lands uh, at the feet of these two Confederate soldiers in their tent. And because it was actually a very rainy October, a lot of these shells didn't even go off. So they picked up this shell, you know, kind of brushed it off, and they put it back in their kind of artillery, um, you know, holder, and then they'd fire it back at the Union forces. <laughs> it's a true story. Yeah, it was documented in a journal wow. of a soldier. <laughs> so you get a little taste of what the Civil War would have been like and the type of stress his soldiers yeah. would have gone through at that time. Yeah, okay, well, take us through the bend after uh, the Civil War. You know, kind of before industrial, the Industrial Revolution went full force in the South, you know, there's a little bit of an in-between before we get there. You know, what happened in this area after the Civil War? Sure. Well, Moccasin Bend, um, because of the flooding, the annual flooding of the Tennessee River, would have been an extremely fertile place. And this goes back to why Native Americans would have first chosen the Bend to settle. Not only did it um, have amazing game, but also it had this very fertile soil for farming. So really, we look at Moccasin Bend from Point Park today, and it's mostly forested. But for most of Moccasin Bend's history, a lot of those forests would have been cleared and it would have been used for agriculture. So from basically to the Civil War to its addition into the National Park Service, Moccasin Bend was actively used in agriculture. Okay, and then, uh, so yeah, so after the Civil War, there was a lot of agriculture that happened there until until we get to roughly the 1950s. Sure. And this is where, this is where the history of Moccasin Bend takes a turn. 
um, from what from what it traditionally has been used for by Indians, uh, by you know uh, settlers in this area uh, in agriculture. Uh, we started using it for other purposes. So, uh, talk us through what's been developed there since the 1950s, and then and then kind of kind of bring us up to today because there's okay. there's always been a, a a voice that wasn't happy with some of those decisions, and that's really given rise to your organization. Sure. So. Um, the trying to preserve moccasin men even goes back to the 1920s with Adolph Ox up on Lookout Mountain, just trying to preserve that beautiful view. And then in the 1950s, you have this constant struggle between basically this idea of developing Moccasin Bend into the greatest industrial park on the world. I mean, here we are, the Dynamo of Dixie. Why not just line it with factories? And, you know, you've got that amazing water access right there. And then at the same time, you had another group, a group of conservationists, who started to recognize the historic and archaeological value of it and wanted to protect it. And what you eventually got was a patchwork of protection, uh, basically due to indecision on what to do with Moxon Bend, and then these little parts of development. So in the 1960s, you got the Moccasin Bend Mental Health Institute. In the 60s, mental health, you know, you wanted to put um, them, you know, in a place that was very natural and beautiful, but at the same time, kind of away from the rest of the city. So it's a great spot for it at the time. Um, you have the firing range on Moccasin Bend, which is on the uh, east side of the bend, and that was uh, started in the 1970s, and the city and county operate that, and that's where their law enforcement train. In the 60s, you also had the Moccasin Bend Golf Course come on board, and that's a beautiful golf course that people love to play. And then in the 80s, you had the Moccasin Bend Wastewater Treatment Plant. So Moccasin Bend is kind of this patchwork of uh, national park, as well as some private inholdings, and then some of these other interesting uses. Yeah, so you, you you say patchwork there, but you have a much more uh, a much more interesting phrase. Uh, you know, you've been quoted as saying that um, you know Moccasin Bend is the Humpty Dumpty of national parks, and so uh, can you speak to that a little bit more? Yeah, so in the 1950s, the legislation was actually passed to make Moccasin Bend a national park before all these alternative uses. So, you know, because that didn't um, get passed at the time, I say Moccasin Bend kind of fell apart. So it's the Humpty Dumpty of national parks, and it's the job of the friends in the community to put this national park back together again. Yeah, so it, I guess now let's bring it up to now. You, you know, in 2003, this was added to the to the military park, and so now it's part of the National Park Service. But with that said, there's like you said, it's it's still a patchwork, right? The, like the firing firing range is still there, the mental institution is still there, uh, the golf course is still there. Um, you know, these sort of things you wouldn't see in any kind of in, in any, to be honest, in any other national park, whether it's a military park or a, or a wilderness conservation. So what's the plan for Mox and Ben? You know, it's for, you know, give us maybe a history of 2003 up sure. to today, and then we'll go into talking about the future. That's a great question. So in 2003, it was added, and there was this big dream at the time to create a visitor center that would be on par with the Tennessee Aquarium. It would be a linchpin for the other side of the river for the North Shore to just have another grand tourist draw, another um, massive amount of revitalization. And just due to some funding issues and some problems with, you know, brick and mortar development and partnership, we've kind of abandoned that idea of the visitor center and gone back to the drawing board and said, okay, we've got an amazing resource here. Why? Because it's 
the it's the largest open space or green space in downtown Chattanooga. It has incredible history and the opportunities for outdoor recreation are huge. And, you know, being the best outdoor city um, in the country, like here we have this unparalleled almost, you know, 950 acres of green space right downtown with very few opportunities. So the National Park right now is finishing the general management plan for Moccasin Bend. And what this is, is this is a 20 year master plan for this park unit that allows us to have you know a plan and a mandate and to go in and start to develop these resources and open them up to the public and allow the public to get out to the bend and learn about these amazing things in our history and you know the visitor center it's in the enabling legislation so it can always come in the future but what we're really excited about is getting a plan for the park's development that the friends can can work with the community to implement. Yeah. So how much how much is it a part of the plan to actually relocate some of these uh, patchwork pieces uh, that we've been talking about? So like you know the uh, the firing range, the mental institution. Uh, is there a plan in place for that? Well, all of these pieces we'd like to eventually return to the national park, and there is a plan in place for um, doing that. And one of the you know great things about the park is that it was a community building effort. So the city is committed to eventually moving the firing range. The state is committed to eventually closing down the hospital and moving it and adding it to this amazing resources we have that would be the National Park. But in the meantime, the National Park Service, due to the foresight of our local leaders, actually owns an easement that goes through all these different properties. So, you know, if the plan calls for an extension of the Tennessee River Greenway that goes around the bend to learn about and interpret all these amazing, you know, Native American and Civil War stories, we can we can do that when the plan is done. Um, so, you know, we're, we're excited about getting the plan done and kind of beginning to implement it. Um, and this will be as early as next year. Oh, wow. As early as next year. Yeah. So uh, last year, the National Park Service put out four different alternatives for development of Moccasin Bend, and they were uh, the public was able to comment on them. They went back, they looked at which one would be the best, and they've now recommended that to their regional office, and then it gets approved by Washington, and it will get back on their desk, and they'll have to go through the um, kind of environmental and archaeological laws and make sure they're not impacting anything. And then after that, in in the spring of 2017 we'll have the plan hot off the presses there'll be a lot more public comment period or there'll be another public comment period and we'll soon after that the uh, superintendent of the park will sign it and we'll be ready to um, you know start doing some significant expansion of uh, really just opportunities for people to get out there and learn about this place and one thing I'd like to say is that a lot of times when people hear Moccasin Bend, the first thing they think of is the hospital or the golf course or the treatment facility. But, you know, it's our goal in the near future when people think about Moccasin Bend, they think about the park and what an asset it can be to our community. And the other thing that's worth noting, and, you know, we've said this multiple times before, but, you know, we love our city parks. You know, we love our city parks. We love our state parks. But this is a national park, so you know this is going to be great for locals, but also 
this has a draw within the region and even the nation. I mean, even the world. People come from all over the world to learn about the native history of the United States, to learn about the Trail of Tears, to go to these Civil War battlefields and military parks. And here it is, we have some of the best preserved earthworks in the whole military park system. You know, so this is going to be a draw internationally. Yeah. Yeah, I want to go back and talk about the Indians for just a second again because you know I don't think a lot of people realize this, uh, but there, it, it's it's not that this was an area that was popular for farming. I mean, this became, uh, you know, at one point in history, you know, this was a, a significant Indian burial site as well. And so right now at the very tip of Moxie Bend, what uh, tell us a little bit about what used to be there. So um, there were woodland. Um, uh, woodland Indian villages at the tip of Moccasin Bend and part of these village sites were the woodland Indians buried their dead you know in mounds right next to the villages so at one point you had all these mounds there that have been destroyed and you've had lots of mounds around Chattanooga that have been destroyed due to development projects but there are mounds still there and they're protected and uh, the hospital is a great um, they do a good job of you know, preserving those and protecting them at the time. So, you know, you'll have these mound sites that can be open and interpreted in the future, but also we've lost some of those things. So a little interesting story in 1964, when uh, they were adding I-24 to uh, downtown Chattanooga, they added on all that fill to create the highway. So to maintain the channel width of uh, the Tennessee River, they had to dredge 400 feet off the wow. heel and toe of Moccasin yeah. Bend. So they, you know, they maintained the contour, but they were basically just destroying these villages, these resources, these burial mounds. And uh, I guess that was urban progress at the time. And, you know, it's great having I-24, but the historical and cultural resources we've lost over the years on Moccasin Bend have been significant. And um, kind of looting and uh, vandalism has always been a part of Moxon Bend before it got protected by the National Park Service. And there's actually been a lot of citizen activism, including Native American groups that really kind of rose up and were deputized and for a long time patrolled and protected these areas from looters and vandals. I mean, that just underscores the importance of, of protecting this area. Yeah, I guess, you know, you know, we talk about Moxon Bend as these amazing historical resources, but for the 21 tribes that are affiliated with Moxon Bend, this place is actually sacred in some ways. And just to mention that those tribes were consulted by the National Park Service during the general management and plan process. So they are actually part of the process and their input is taken into account government to government negotiations uh, by the National Park Service and these tribes. Well, and as we talk about, you know, returning this uh, now that it is a national park and it's protected and looking at the future of the next 20 years and possibly moving out some of the elements that were added in the in, in the 50s and 60s and 70s. You know, one thing you don't see being moved is the is the water treatment facility that's there. But you have a little bit of a different perspective on that. So why don't you talk about that for a minute? Sure. So when I go out to Moccasin Bend, it, it is this patchwork of different uses and it's not your typical national park experience, but each different experience can be viewed through um, you know how whatever lens you want and when I look at the wastewater treatment center I see it you know 
kids are going to be coming out here to learn about the history and the Civil War, the Native American history, but also, you know, the Moccasin Men Wastewater Treatment Plant does tours, and what great way to learn about, you know, the science and waste, and, you know, as our civilizations grow and become larger, how we deal with these issues. So, really, um, the Wastewater Treatment Center has a grant in to cap its pools and generate methane that will run the plant, um, you know, and they already scrub the uh, smell out of the air. So, you know, they're a great partner, and in some ways, they offer just kind of this urban park experience. I mean, here it is, you have a wastewater treatment center in a park, but you know, what does that mean? What can we learn from that? Yeah, and I think it, it also teaches the lesson of history um, for, you know, for all of us going forward too, of, of the way we use our resources and our green spaces around us to really think about long-term. And I think that's the other important lesson is that um, you see the wastewater treatment plant and you realize, you know, at one time we didn't think as long-term as we should have, uh, when it comes to our city, so sure, that's another great lesson. And uh, yeah, I mean, we probably could have thought that through a little better before we put it right there, but it's there now, and um, you know, it, it's a great lesson in looking at conservation too, and you know, thinking about long term. If these places aren't protected, what is going to happen to them? So this is really just—it's so fascinating that here we have a city of you know 180,000 you know within the city you know a 300,000 person region. Uh, we have a very robust and vibrant downtown, and then just across the river we have an enormous green space national park that's, that is protected. I'm just wondering, you know, as you, as you've been kind of heading up Mox and Ben, friends of Mox and Ben now, uh, is there? I'm trying to think of another comparison with an American city that has um, that is such an it does have a true urban area, but then literally within hundreds of feet there is a national park. So there's national parks throughout our urban areas, and I'm not sure that there's one single best example, but the closest thing that I can think of when I think of Chattanooga are really these small towns in the West that are often um, associated with skiing or uh, other types of outdoor recreation, Colorado, California, but it, you know, just you look around and you see the mountains and you see the national park just right here in the middle of downtown. It's kind of like um, being in uh, Breckenridge and just being able to take a hike in a national forest as soon as you step out of the town. Uh, the, you know, the only example I can really think of like this, too, um, from my own travels was, you know, some of the small t Colorado towns you're talking about that's surrounded by public land, you know, but also like the city of Vancouver in Canada. You know, you have this beautiful uh, city on a peninsula, but yet the very tip of that peninsula, Stanley Park, this gorgeous protected um, green space right on the ocean. But yeah, it's, it's fascinating to think about if, if you're a cyclist or if you're a runner, you know, you could eat at a James Beard nominated chef's restaurant downtown for brunch on Sunday and then literally have a two-minute bike ride, and you would be surrounded by trees, uh, where it's probably not ideally silent, but the overall, but you can see deer, you can see turkey, you're going to hear birds. I mean, that that is just that's a fascinating thought, and not just cyclists and runners, but like families, just hop across the river, and all of a sudden you're. I mean, it feel, it'll feel like you're 20 miles out of town. Sure, and that's one of the amazing things about the bend, and for the reason why 
people don't get those experiences are twofold. Well, first of all, there are a lot of cyclists and runners already going there, and it's a popular place for them. Um, but, you know, we don't have the visitor experiences there for people to go and learn about and even just park their car and get on a trail. And then the second thing is Moccasin Bend, even though it's a peninsula, it feels like an island. Um, it feels somewhat cut off from downtown due to the nature of manufacturers and home road and this is kind of the second chapter in the development of the bend so we need to make the park better um, but at the same time we need to make the park's connection to downtown better and we're also working on that too and we're working on that with the city the city department of transportation and we're looking at ways to make you know create multimodal access to moxon bend whether it's an extension of the electric shuttle that goes out to Moxon Bend, or it's an improvement of manufacturers and home roads with a multi-use sidewalk, or even, I mean, what's been envisioned since the Moxon Bend Task Force in the 1980s is that the Riverwalk would go from the dam to downtown and then connect to Moxon Bend. So actually, the spur down to Lookout was kind of, was... it was supposed to connect to Moxon Bend first, and I love the new section of Riverwalk, it's great, but you know, next section hopefully will connect the Riverwalk. Tourism is already a significant industry for our city. And, you know, one of the th- one of the themes during this podcast now for, f- for a couple months is, you know, I've asked people why they move here or, you know, even the mayor brought this up. But, you know, quality of life is a consistent uh, reason why people live in Chattanooga. And, and, and in this project, you know, redeveloping Moxon Bend, really taking advantage of its national park status, in terms of its programming and, and its protection and really turning that over to the public in a real way uh, is, is just something that's going to add to that tourism industry and it's going to add to that quality of life piece that people move to Chattanooga for. So, uh, yeah, so what kind of impact do you think? What, let's just say, let's just imagine 15, 20 years from now, some of these, some of these uh, Humpty Dumpty pieces are put back into the park and, the, and these connections are made the way you're describing them. You know, what kind of, what kind of impact do you imagine this having on our city? So uh, the Friends have done an economic impact study that says just the development of the trails and interpretive opportunities, the trailheads alone could bring in an additional 250,000 visitors with several tens of millions of dollars of economic impact. So this could have a huge economic impact for the city. And really the way I look at it is, you know, we, ha- we all know this storied um, uh, you know, of, we all know the story of Chattanooga's Renaissance, and really that whole story started with the idea of what we were going to do with Moccasin Bend, and then it morphed in, oh, we need to return to the river, and we need to fix our downtown, and we need to continue to do those things, and we're doing a great job. But Moccasin Bend is the next big thing for the development of Chattanooga's downtown. I mean, you just look at it and I mean, it's bigger than downtown and it's just green space just sitting there underutilized. So we really like to think of that as a game changer for the city kind of once we get it to where it needs to be. So, you know, Chattanooga has been voted, you know, we've, we've received national recognition as being a great outdoor city, right? A great outdoor town. And so it just seems like this, the development of Moxon Bend is, is a natural extension of that. It's going to further that narrative. It's going to further that storyline and, and, and help root that as our identity even more. Could you speak to that further about how the development of Moxon Bend is going to further that storyline about our city? Yeah, I can. When Chattanooga won Best Outdoor Town in the Country, they plastered Moccasin Bend on the cover of Outside Magazine. And, 
you know, there's really limited things to do out there. So once we get the plan for the park done, I mean, you're talking an extension of trails, eight to 10 miles of hiking and biking trails, um, perhaps more. Um, you're talking about slowing people down on that road. Um, you're really talking about a huge expansion of outdoor recreational opportunities and not just you know, you have the river walk, and that is a very manufactured experience, if you will. And it, it, it's the river walk has its own look and it has its own feel. But Moccasin Bend will definitely look and feel differently from that, and it will be a little more wild. So it'll be kind of this wilderness experience that you're able to have in a downtown setting, which will make it really special. So are they planning a trail that goes around um, the perimeter of of Moccasin Bend? That is an option in one of the preliminary alternatives. That's a fascinating juxtaposition between the Riverwalk, especially the, the new, if, if you haven't been on the new extension of the Riverwalk yet, what you'll notice is that it is, it is very industrial. And, uh, and they've done it in a very beautiful way. I don't mean that as, as being negative in any way. Um, it really is walking through the industrial history of our city. But to have right across the river another Riverwalk that's going through Mox and Bend, the way you're describing it, that would just, that would be fascinating. Sure. So when we hear the term Riverwalk, we have certain expectations. And what this would be, would it would be a complement to the Riverwalk, and it would be more of a greenway experience. And it, it would be right on the other side of the river. And even go take the new extension of the Riverwalk, and you're just looking at these beautiful views across the Tennessee River, yeah. and you're like, what is that over there? That's Moccasin Bend, and it's huge. And, you know, it's coming soon. Uh, okay, so let's say so people can visit there now, right? Like you don't you don't need yeah. to wait fifteen years. So you can go over there right now. Sure, there are a couple ways. Um, if you go to Chickamauga and Chattanooga National Military Parks website, you can look up special events, and there are ranger guided tours out there regularly. In addition, if you go to the Friends of Moccasin Bend's website, which is moccasinbendpark.org, you click on the visit tab. There are multiple. You can go do the Blue Blazes Trail, which is a 1.5 mile loop that goes out to the river, and we've done a lot of improvements to that recently. Or you can go do the Browns Ferry Federal Road, which is about a mile loop, which also goes out to the river which is an assigned and interpreted original trail of tears route or you can go out to the gateway site which is a beautiful 10 acre meadow right off home road right on the river so there are some things you can go do and experience now well you mentioned earlier you mentioned a ranger guided tour uh, can you tell me so how often do they do those they do those usually monthly or bi-monthly. So last year they did a monthly. We're actually, I, I can't believe I failed to mention this. We're in the centennial of the national right, parks right, this right. year. So we're celebrating the 100th birthday of the whole national park system this year. And so they've been doing more events around downtown and things. So, you know, next year we'll be back to monthly ranger guided tours out there. So the topics will range from tours up to the Civil War earthworks to the antebellum slave trade to the trail of tears to even you know they'll go out to hampton place and learn about the potential uh, connection between the hampton place and uh, spanish um, explorers who might have made contact with them in the 1540s or 1560s so you really get an in-depth kind of interpretation of those really special parts about moccasin bend history when you go on these ranger guided hikes and i would highly recommend them well, Michael, that's wonderful, man. And I've really enjoyed this conversation. But if people do want to uh, stay in contact with you, if they want to kind of sign up for your mailing list so they can know what's happening next with the park and, and, and really, you know, uh, help 
push initiatives forward. Like you said, there's going to be more community sessions coming up once the management plan comes out next year, uh, and they want to stay involved with that. How can they connect with you guys at Friends of Moccasin Bend? Well, they can go to our website, uh, moccasinbendpark.org, and um, contact us, or they can uh, like us on Facebook, which would be great. And we are trying to build a community of advocates and you know, what got this place, you know, it, there's a hundred year story of community advocacy to get this place to where it is, and it's going to take more work to get it where it needs to be. So, um, you know, we invite people to join the Friends of Marcus and Mend, and uh, they can do that in a couple different ways. All right, Michael, thank you so much for being here with us today and telling us more about Marcus and Bend. Thank you for everything you're doing uh, as far as trying to protect this area for our city. You're welcome, Matt, and uh, thanks for having me on the show, and I love what you're doing with the podcast, so keep up the good work. (laughs) Thanks, man. Thank you so much to Michael for stopping in and really explaining and describing the rich history that's right outside our front door, the rich history that is Moxham Bend and then the potential future for this place as a national park, as one of our great local treasures. So hopefully you're inspired to learn more. You know, you can always check out their website at moccasinbendpark.org. That's the Friends of Moccasin Bend National Park website, moccasinbendpark.org. And thank you to the Lampos Group for letting us use their studio to record this episode. You can always check out their podcast, Dynamo Discussions. You can look it up in iTunes, wherever it is you get your podcast from, Dynamo Discussions. And if you want to share this episode or any of our other episodes, you can find all of them at thecamphouse.com slash podcast. And if you're a subscriber on iTunes or wherever it is you subscribe to your podcast, you know I'd love it. I'd really appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and a review. Those are always really helpful. So thank you for being here. Right now, this is releasing during Startup Week, so I hope you're out there enjoying the different events that are happening. And we'll see you back here next week. Have a great day.